Even though it's Thursday, it's a special bonus Lee Harrington podcast. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. In our third Wednesday of the month podcast, you usually get to hear me talk about all kinds of things, from sexuality to spirituality, authenticity to our own personal journeys. But this time, it's going to be a little bit different. I am finding myself currently in Fort Myers, Florida, on a grand adventure, getting to connect with some really fantastic people. And I've been able to herd a whole group of them into one room, which is almost unheard of. And it's absolutely fun to be able to bring people together and have some great conversations. So what I'd like to do is go around the room and have everybody kind of introduce themselves so that our listeners at home have an idea of who I'm interviewing today. Hi, I'm Scott. On FetLife, I am Silent One. That's Silent with the number one. My name is Lady Pandian. Yum. And I'm Doug. On FetLife, I'm Yo Jimbo. <laughs> Love it. I'm Preston. I'm Becky. And all of us have spent this last weekend doing an event called Circles of Kink. So, Lady Pan, this is your brainchild. So, do you want to share with everyone at home what the idea was? Well, I think that the idea was, after meeting you and seeing how you blend uh, BDSM and spirituality, and uh, with some of the spiritual paths that I have taken in the last couple of years, mm. um, I really felt like some of the connection um, that people do in the art of S&M is missing a, a spiritual element. And I really wanted the opportunity, um, as inspired as I was, um, <laughs> with you at Fusion last year, uh, I just knew after I left that event that I needed to bring it here. I was inspired. I was, I was, I was a calling, almost, mm, to bring yeah. you here, uh, bring uh, our friends together, our families together, and uh, try to connect on a whole different level. And I think we've done that. I think everyone's happy. Well, and we had about, what, 40-some-odd people? Yeah, about 48 people by the time we were done. Nice. Yeah, I mean, coming and going, I would say. And from all over the place, too. We had yeah. folks that came up from Miami. Uh, Orlando, Fort Lauderdale, um, North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So they drove from hours and hours to, to be with us. And, and they did it without really knowing what it was we were going to do. Mm. They did it faith-based, really. They had faith that when they got there, that what I had experienced, they they would experience, you know, just in my storytelling of, of our experience together. Yeah, because for a lot of people who have either worked only in the pagan community or only in the BDSM community, there's some confusion about, like, well, what am I going to get out of this experience, and why? Why do we even do this? Absolutely. And I think that... Um, Energy exchange is very powerful. It has many names. Mm -hmm. It has very many walks of life. But 
I think that you can really blend the two together. And I think that what we found this weekend in Circles of Kink is that the circles that we have, you know, it's we all encircle one another. Mm. And sometimes we do it on different trajectories. But I think that we see that we're really all on just one. So. Yum. I love that idea. Yeah. Mm. It was, please. I thought you were, you were about to say something. <laughs> well, one of the things that you also mentioned to me ahead of time was that as you've been getting feedback from this event, you've been getting a, a couple of reoccurring themes in the feedback so far. Yes. Thought-provoking. Mm. You know. Um, one gentleman said to me this morning that um, he's been in the lifestyle for 20 years almost, and what else could he learn about growth <laughs> that he hasn't yeah. learned from, you know, Master Tattoo and, you know, so many others that he mentioned just in passing. And yet the rope magic and intent with not, um, he, he never considered that. In fact, he runs a TNG down here. Mm. And he said they, and just the night before our event, they had a TNG rope event. Completely different thing. Right. You know, lots of knots, but not the kind of knots that, you know, we're Well, I think about. what you were trying to do was not to make it about, what can I learn about rope? It wasn't about rope. It was about the intent in you and what you're doing. The rope was a tool mm. and your intent and your emotionality. It was a yeah. tool for contact, and therefore you could do the same thing everything from a whip to your hand to whatever else and uh, a lot of people unconsciously feel or sense or tap into things but they can do it better or understand it better or pass it on better if they talk it out and can have somebody like Lee in front of them saying this is what you're going through this is how you better focus these are some of the different areas rather than just this odd sensation you're getting and just kind of... You gave us tools. Away. Though it was interesting, we had one person, especially in the fiber magic class, who halfway through was like, so, wait, this knot stops energy and this may, uh, knot continues energy forward. Why is that? Why can't you use this to make energy go forward and this one to stop energy? And I just had to pause and think about it for a second and go, well, because this is my tool set. Yeah. <laughs> this is my linguistical system. And to be honest, I hope that person goes and makes their own system because... You know, it's kind of like you were talking about, you know, Doug, you were talking about that idea of you can apply it to whips or you can apply it to bondage. You can make it your own. And I think that's a big part of either profound spiritual experience from any tradition or of sexual exploration from any tradition is that, yeah, you can copy from the person who came before you, but what are you going to do? And spirituality helps you tap into whatever you need to, and that's why mm -hmm. it's different for everyone. That's why some people use... Uh, the more traditional faiths. And some people use paganism and some people use, you know, whatever they use, uh, Zen Buddhism or whatever, to allow them to uh, bring themselves into those experiences more than anyone else. And that's why it's got to be different for everyone. Mm -hmm. I know, Becky, you were talking earlier about fiber, the fiber magic class and some of the thoughts that you had out of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I had, uh, I've done fiber magic for it seems ever, you know, <laughs> as a little child running around with string. And um, to be able to take something that I'm um, very invested in, which is my spirituality, mm -hmm. and something else that I'm very invested in, which is my kink, and to see both of those things 
collaborative in in this almost almost in a, in a way that I I can see but I hadn't really brought to myself before mm -hmm. to know that I can do um, not magic while I'm binding someone and even though those binds are going to come off that magic is going to continue mm -hmm. and to think that my scene might be temporary but my intent and my will to the universe is going to continue and to see that in reality that it was we've all done an overhand knot <laughs> I've tied my <laughs> shoes every single day but you just said it in the right way that's, that went, you know what, I've done this and I've stopped giving it purpose. Mm -hmm. It's the thing you do to stop the rest of your ropes from sliding. It's the thing it's that you just do. just the knot. It's just the overhand knot to make whatever it is. But I think that applies in a lot of other stuff we do. How often, how often for myself at least, how often has it become, you know, it's just fucking. Or, you know, it's just, you know, hopping on the internet and sending an email. But if I actually sit there and think about the profundity of what it takes to have my words go click, click, click in front of me, uh -huh. and it sends a message thousands of miles to someone else who can go click, 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 and suddenly mm -hmm. we're having communication, it's made of magic. It is. It is. <laughs> it's instantaneous. Yeah. And, please, you're... I you know, just spent about six weeks learning about networking, so... When you said that, I translated exactly the electronic process of what happens when you send a TCP packet over the internet. <laughs> and you're a nerd, and this is why we love you. Uh -huh. <laughs> but it's still pretty magical, because yeah. the, the sheer amount of ways that it can get there... Or go wrong. Or not get there, yeah. as it were, mm. is massive. Once, you, once you've seen what the network kind of looks like, and then you know that under that network diagram, there's an, another network that, that's just too small to see from above. Mm -hmm. And that really applies to people as well. Absolutely. Uh, that the, the fiber ritual that we did at the beginning, where everyone tied off on, onto the, the ring, that network, and no one could really foresee how it would end. So, for folks, yeah. since you guys weren't there for it, uh, actually, do you want to give a description since you came, you came up with the ritual, the ritual well, for fusion? For um, the ritual, we created a unity web, a circle um, that was then uh, linked together uh, across the circle. To uh, try to describe it is, is very difficult. Uh, each, each person had their own thread, and these threads intermingled and connected and overlapped and tied to one another and, and broke each other and tied again. And Eventually we had a big, beautiful sigil that got hung on the wall. And um, to me, it's a reminder that whether it's the computer network or the network of people or the network of um, the biosphere, or the network mm -hmm. of all the spheres of the, the planet and how the elements and the compounds combine. It's just layers of web upon web upon web. And for me, the spirituality is uh, to be able to take a moment and peer into the web. Mm -hmm. And to do things with intention means to 
not not believe in a, a cloud of haze, but rather that there is a web. And what my actions are here have an action on many, if not all, other parts of the web. If I may. Uh, so I strung mine across first. Mm -hmm. The circle mm -hmm. had nothing in it, and I went from south over to you guys. Yep. And I had the straight line. Mm -hmm. So I got to see as 40-plus people crossed all their lines over mine, or didn't. Right. Right. Uh, and and how at the end my one straight line, my intent, my you know shining beacon into the future, was pulled this way, was wrapped around this way, mm. was being bundled up by Elmo's guts. <laughs> how that part, Elmo, my little fuzzy robe rocked it, it on did. that wall. It did. It did. <laughs> Inner mystery there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and how all of these people touched me in some way and touched my, my line and my intentions in some way and how my original purpose, whatever it is, if I have a goal, whether it's magically or whether it's sexually, I can have this plan and it goes straight into <laughs> my future. But in fact, I, I'm touched by everybody else, by everyone's energy, Funny. by still made it from this point it to did. that point. Absolutely did. Even though it might have to twist and turn. Yeah. yeah. Let me meander a little bit. And I know, uh, Scott, you were talking before about how, uh, as someone who works within a northern tradition perspective, that it was interesting for you to see the runes start to appear in the web as you were yeah. bearing witness to that yeah. ritual. Right, sure. As people would choose a path, some of them unconsciously would choose to walk or travel in a runic pattern. Mm. And I'm sure if I knew other runic systems, uh, I would have seen patterns there as well. Um, or if I, had, if I knew how to uh, interpret kanji, I might see that. <laughs> um, but, so even that is, that's my my divination out of someone else's patterning mm. and so what kind of a divination is that it's like watching birds birds don't fly in that way for you uh -uh. I, I love that <laughs> for, the, for the ones you guys can't see it has this smile across her face a mile wide as we're talking about birds yes wow Coming from a somewhat different perspective, I, I think that um, the tool of the rope and the, and the, the tool of the spirituality, and everything, uh, it allows you to not only network and allows you to show, I, I believe in a lot of balance. And I think it's just as important for you to step back and realize that you're a very small part in the universe and yet you have a lot of effect on things around you in the universe. And yet there are times you also need to be the only thing in the universe. Mm -hmm. So when you're shining shoes or doing boots or when you were doing your uh, knot magic and doing your nine knots on a rope, yeah. if you, if you uh, it kind of almost reminded me back harkening in the days of a rosary, you know, yes. it's that kind of thing. And uh, it's very easy to kind of use the rope with no other people there as well. Absolutely. And to use it for your own calmness or your own centering. Well, I know you do a lot of stuff with single tails, and having talked with uh, Whitmaster Bob in, in, down in Phoenix, Arizona, 
he's talked to me about the notion that when you're when it's just an artist and a single tail dancing with one another, it's about that moment of focus, and it doesn't have to be about anyone or anything else. It can be about that. And so I'm curious what your experiences are with what you just said to the tools that you're, you spend a lot of time with. Well, it's, it's absolutely the same. The single tail, especially if you use two at once, and or move your feet around, the more difficult you make it, the more focus you have to be. You can't drift. The minute you mm -hmm. drift your mind off, the single tail will do what it wants to do, and you get bit by it. So it's uh but my my yeah. <laughs> you got some marks on you today yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my traditions and background also have a lot of um individual things that do focus you know mm -hmm. when when i was in the military or, or other kind of things that i've done you put on a uniform and that was your time to change mm -hmm. as you dress from one thing to the other and mentally prepare uh you know or doing the martial arts kind of thing or whatever there's always a preparation always a a personal discipline where you find yourself and ground yourself and then even when you but when you're ready you're going out and you're in your job you're affecting everyone around you or you're teaching your martial arts and you're affecting and 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 shaping them so there's that time when you have to know you and you have to use those tools to do you and then there has to be the the part of everything else as well and I love that idea of the preparation and the transition from one thing to another, because I know it was something that we talked about when we were talking about rituals for our relationships and rituals within dominance and submission. And so I'm curious if you know any of you have specific things that you use as transitory or transitional tools or rites that you have for whether it's getting into scene or getting into a ritual space, either or both. Well, certainly candles, candles. are probably most in my you know, although I, I, in all fairness, if I'm packing to go anywhere, it's candles first and then clothing and then toiletries. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is the start of that warmth, that temperature, that shutting off this, focus on this. Mm. I'm a costume guy. That. Well, you're a costume guy? Yeah. yeah. So he'll change. Everything's a costume, so if I change depending on what I'm doing, you know, when I dress to play hard or dress to sub or dress to go to work or... You know, dress for Halloween. It's it's 100 percent costume. That that's the start of my changing when I put on whatever I'm going to do. What about yourself, Preston? Uh, I wear a uniform on a daily basis, pretty much. So, and it does change the way I interact. Especially, you know, I've got the the NCO stripes on, so I have to set a higher standard even than than uh, just a soldier. Mm. Um, as far as Ritual goes yeah. for me. It's it's not spiritual. If there's not something on fire. It's not oh. spiritual. If there's not something on fire. <laughs> I, uh, I honestly cannot think of a <laughs> ritual that I've been to where we haven't had fire. Set uh, at least tiki torches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, generally, and yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you saw through the weekend. I like to play with the fire. I like yeah. to do the the fire tending. It's right. something that not only helps me get into that this is ritual time headspace it keeps me there because it's something that continues it kind of keeps my ferret brain from squirreling off onto oh look something shiny but are you <laughs> serving the fire or controlling the fire in your head yes it's, oh, huh. it's more of a in my head a, a partnership mm -hmm. you know the fire will will die without proper tending so I'm tending the fire but the fire is also giving back to me this massive rush of energy and uh, it's 
very... It's a relationship. Yeah, it's a relationship. And I love that you brought up the notion of the, of the squirrel brain, because I've had a number of people write me over the last couple of years and talk with me in person about the notion that they can't ever really get into a scene, they can't ever really play, or they can't ever really do ritual work, any of these contexts. Because, well, they're always thinking about lots of other things, and if they can't ever enter into true headspace, then they're not actually doing it right. And so it was nice, you know, it's, thank you for bringing that idea up, of like finding your tool that helps you be there, wherever there is. I tried doing meditations with a, one of my friends who was Buddhist. I made it about half an hour before I had to get up and do something. Mm. I'm the same way. Uh, I, I cannot do uh, Zen sitting meditation. I simply fall asleep. I can't do guided meditation if I'm laying down. I will fall asleep. Mm -hmm. But I can quite easily do Zen meditation, uh, Zen walking meditation, because there is that physicality of it. Mm -hmm. Or even repetitive motion, you do the bullwhip as well. You know, anything, just repetitive motion and, and something to help you get in there. You know, what we use what we need to, we need use what we need. To get ready for ritual space, um, I have the ritual of wearing my singular and my cords mm. most of the time. Um, but certainly if I put those on, then I am uh, peeling away most of my masks and wearing primarily the, the priest mask. Could you describe what that is and what it means to you, the singulum? A singulum is a, a cord um, uh, amongst some... Uh, Catholic monks will wear them as well. It's just a cord that wraps around you. Um, if you were wearing a tunic or a robe, it would hold your, your clothing together. Um, and in my tradition, you would be given a red one at your first degree initiation, a white one at second, and a black at third. And it is uh, directly proportional to certain measurements of your body. Um, it has a, uh, a masculine and a feminine end to it, so there is rope or fiber magic in it. There's a loop at one end, which is the, the feminine force, and a, a knot or a pommel or something at the other end, which is the masculine force. And so to, to thread them through, you're creating the, the, the great rite as you thread them through and create a circle, and then that circle is wrapped around you. Um, the singulum can be used to in um, knot magic um, as well as um, in my tradition you bound various tokens and trinkets as they appear to you throughout your, your magical path. So mine has various runes and beads and pieces of yarn and string from various rituals and uh, earrings that I would find on the ground at a festival mm -hmm. or whatever. And so, um, you know, when I first got this bare singulum, and then as it's traveled with me and become frayed and knotted and, and pieces have been added and fallen off and so on, it, it changes as I do. Um, and now that I have a white, it's worn with it. And it is fairly plain compared to the, the past history <laughs> and all this, both uh, blessings and baggage that went with this, the red one of 
So anyone listening out there, if you have lost an earring at a festival, <laughs> call me. I may have it. It's Put a little tied in. Good description. Yeah. Of them. Okay. I don't want to untie it though. It won't be pretty. <laughs> well, it's it's interesting that you talk about the idea of how uh, you know all of the different levels of metaphor and different levels of meaning when you talk about one thing that the outside viewer might just see as a single prop. Mm-hmm. And one of the conversations that came up this weekend was the notion of a collar or the notion mm-hmm. of different, you know, different wardrobe pieces that people wear in the kink community and how those things have layers of meaning depending on who has them. Because for some people, you know, your singulum, it's just a piece of rope with a whole bunch of weird shit tied to it. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Just like the patterns of the birds are just birds in the air unless that's what speaks to you. Mm. And then they have immense meaning. Yeah. Well, one of the things that also, uh, thinking about DS, one of the other things that we were talking about earlier was that, uh, that talking about DS and how it interacts with our faith, a great quote that you actually said, Scott, was that uh, the DS was a way of practicing perfect love and perfect trust. And I was wondering if you could, you know, reflect on that a little bit and then have us open up around that notion for the whole room. Well, perfect love and perfect trust is, uh, it's, it's much like a koan. It's part of uh, a magical path that I've been on for a while. And it's, it's a phrase that's been printed in a lot of books, but I feel like, uh, my personal feeling is that the, the mystery of that and what that really is about has been lost to many along the, the book-led path. And... Um, Perfect love and perfect trust is much, to me, much like the the Buddhist call to non-violence or to not harm any living thing. It's uh, an impossible, um, an impossible but high goal. Mm. So it's about a practice of trying to enact or embody perfect love and perfect trust, and it will never be a perfect circle but it'll be a perfect whatever it is (laughs) and uh so for me in my ds relationship that then is a call of okay this play is a challenge to to try out perfect trust i'm gonna give over all my trust and i'm gonna allow whatever the world gives me to give me and uh the same with the love. It's tough to love all the time. And it's tough to try to have perfect love. And it doesn't always succeed. But the attempt is what it's all about. So Lady Pandian, since I know a lot of his submission has been to you in recent times, what's it like to dance the other side of that dance? Um. I think at first it was scary and a lot of responsibility because my background in BD in, in S&M has been more playful, mm-hmm. has been more dungeon space and house parties and, you know, let's hang the pretty girl and do some flogging and do some spanking and then she <laughs> comes down and the next, you know, and the, and then so it, 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 my lifestyle began more in a party more than it did um, the intense exchange that has that it has evolved to. 
So if anything, it raises my bar um, to not come into sacred space without the right headspace, mm -hmm. knowing that he is about to gift me perfect love and perfect trust, or at least try the best that we can in that state of mind to get there together. So uh, sometimes we fail. And, and sometimes it's the most magical experience that I've ever had as a top. You know, I'm a, I'm a switch, I'd say, if we have to put on, but as, as a top and then also as a rope bottom. Mm. Because I'm a tad bit um, ADD and it's hard to get me to be still. And so to, to get past that and to have that perfect trust that it's okay if I let myself be still because in perfect love, I'll be watched after. So. Beautiful. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Thoughts on uh, DS and how it interacts with the notion of either perfect love or perfect trust or some other spiritual and religious experiences? Well, as a top that likes to do fire demos on people that I don't actually know, <laughs> I have to from them that that feeling of perfect love and perfect trust I can't sit across from you when we're you know just starting negotiations and say um, if they said well if I think that it's too much of this or if I think it's too much of that or if I want you to do this or if I want you to do that as a top I think I'm the one who will be in the responsible party and I need you to give me that trust mm. that I know what I'm doing and I'm I'm willing to take responsibility for the both of us and for whatever this play is and it will be in perfect love and perfect trust not because you want me to put fire on your feet which we could get there should that be what the energy says and just like you feed off of energy when you guys get into ritual space or BDSM space I have to touch whatever the the object is first and like wake it up with that energy and fires the same way I have to we could have completely impromptu tools like we did yesterday that were chopsticks wrapped with crazy stuff and set on fire. Woohoo! <laughs> 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 Circles of kink. Yeah. And, and we made it work and, and um, it, I ended up having great scenes from it, but I have to um, be clear about when it comes to your trust, I feel that in a religious sense because it comes with the energy. The BDSM comes with that energy. And if it's going to be DS, I will take responsibility. But you have to give up responsibility. Mm -hmm. And that can be impossible. You know, not just squirrel brain impossible, but mm -hmm. it had to be incredibly hard to decide that, hey, these guys I'm going to give my life over to. Well, I have fire in my hands. We're not just at a play party. I have fire in my hands, and I could set you on fire 
for real. Well, I think there's a, and to use the term degrees when we're talking about fires, maybe may not be good, but there's different degrees when it comes to that. And I think it's a tremendous dichotomy when it comes to uh, S&M and trust. Mm -hmm. Because, especially with new people, I mean, there's, there's some... There's a level of trust and distrust between partners, even though, it, have you ever done this before? I'm not sure we're going to do that. And you're like, mm -hmm. you're a little curious mm -hmm. about that. Mm -hmm. Even though you know and trust this person, you've been with them for years. Then there's these people you've seen play for a while, and I've done fire play, and I've watched you've done fire play, and okay. And then there's the stuff they've signed out their little checklist on their little form, negotiation mm -hmm. form. Never heard of it, but curious. And now you're talking. Now they've got to give up that trust to you. And yet they still want to retain a little bit of that and say, if I get into this mess or if I... The problem is, is how can they tell you what they're going to be prepared for or not be prepared for in a scene that they've never done? That's reading energy. That, that goes exactly. back to a spiritual Exactly, so they shouldn't level. have any control over it. Because, but they want it, but it's not logical. You, yeah. you can't have any control over it because you've never done it. You don't know what the feeling is like. You don't know what the stresses are going to be. Yeah. So you're going to have to give this up, and it's going to be extremely difficult with new people. Yeah. And in the case of any sort of elemental play, whether it's air, you know, airflow, fire, being buried alive, being drowned yeah. in water, anything that deals with the elements, I find, and one could even argue intense energetic play as a fifth element, yeah. that if they, if somebody who is new to that journey jumps back at the wrong moment thinking, oh, I'm going to save myself. They might accidentally walk into that open flame, might accidentally mm -hmm. choke themselves out, might mm -hmm. accidentally drown themselves, might accidentally get in that, lu that lung full of dirt, not knowing that by kicking the gas mask off, they've taken care of, take, gotten rid of that well layer of protection. My curiosity, though, is that that flip side, how does, if there's a new person listening at home who's like, oh, I'm really tantalized by a safe fireplace, and that's when we had, I hear a lot of you know, experience in this group around, um, how do they make a decision around when and how to trust and who to trust? I think it goes the same for any um, you know, leather BDSM kink community, um, as well as, uh, I would say, as well as any non-established um, religious system. Mm -hmm. um, it just comes with having to to go through the time spent and the experiences to figure out the the flakes from the elders mm. and seeking out the elders and f starting with them and listening, opening ears and eyes and closing your mouth and uh, doing your time. I lucked out immensely in finding... Um, Lynn and Doug so quickly, but uh, I think for most that's not the case. Well, most of the people that self-title, mm -hmm. I find, and it, it, I'm sure I'm going to honk off some people out there, but there's a lot of people that immediately surround themselves with a group, and because they surround themselves with a group of very new people, or very inexperienced people, that they now can say, okay, I'm the greatest on the planet. I'm more dog. And so if you touch anybody in that group, they say this guy is the greatest because they have no frame of reference outside yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. So, But there are people in our local community um, that have been around for a long time, been floating through the community, and they know. And I, I think it's best for new people not to rely on one person's judgment. Mm -hmm. Float throughout the community and get the, Make the general own. thing. Absolutely. And define which groups. I mean, if you're into humiliation, if you... but 
that's fine or whatever, but we find groups that are playing with a happiness, with a love, and with a joy. Yes. And those kind of people are going to be far safer and far less intent on causing any kind of damage, I think, than the people who uh, are playing for control or playing to yeah. get really some kind of anger. You know? And if we apply this to a spiritual context, I know there have been some conversations this weekend around certain spiritual teachers within, say, northern tradition practices, where it's like, that person really resonates with me, this person doesn't resonate with me, or that, that book won't resonate with me until I read other people's books and realized that that, you know, we were joking about uh, the incomplete Bucklands, yeah. for example. Yeah. Everything but complete. Everything but complete. Yeah. And so I'm curious for those who have been more actively exploring a specific... Uh, paradigm of faith exploration, in this case, northern tradition working, or, you know, whatever, I'm curious what terminology you would use, but how do you figure out that same question mm -hmm. within a faith perspective? I think we live in a very interesting and difficult time, because um, both in the metaphysical or um, earth-based or whatever broad label you want to give it, um, communities, as well as the DS community, you have a the next generation who are um, just hungry for experience and knowledge just, and ravenous for it um, to the point of often making you know uh, hasty decisions um, and you have a really um, incredibly knowledgeable and wise older community and I'm not certain that always those two communities speak too well I, together. And the danger is not sure the that, they, that, that. They, that, they, that they speak well. I think that they, they, we need to create a better common knowledge. True, but the third uh, part common that, language that we didn't deal with 20 years ago was the, the overabundance of information that's the out there and yes. that you can't verify that it's good or bad. Absolutely. Because before there's always been the, 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 the dichotomy between the new people coming in and the old people going out and, and having connection. knowledge. But now, there you click on anything that you're interested in and you don't know what information you're getting who you're going to meet. And, that, that and, and I don't think either side are wrong. I feel, uh, I hear many times from elders that the, the younger crowd are not listening. But I also hear oftentimes from the younger crowd that the elders have retreated to right. their bedrooms and no longer come out or to visit. Or don't know how to speak. Or Just don't because someone's an expert on something doesn't mean they know how to exactly. communicate it to the next generation. Oh. Who has Anyone who's gone to college should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. because you're a doctor doesn't mean you know how to teach. Yeah. <laughs> so I have an example of effective communication to the younger crowd. Um, today we were outside in the front yard with the uh, Doug, who was kind enough to give us some practice on, on single tails. And I've been to a, a few single tail classes, and I always put myself in the back of the head or on the arm. And I, you know, watch and watch and watch, and I listen to what they say. And he came up with one phrase of neutral buoyancy. And that phrase clicked, and he has the vocabulary that to affect needed. the cause that really start like cracking and cracking yeah. and cracking after yeah. that. Well, like, one of the, yeah. the finest martial artists I never knew, I ever knew, um, was uh, his students all stunk because mm -hmm. he was horrible at communicating. Mm -hmm. Plus, he wasn't um, 
he couldn't bear to fail anybody on the test, mm -hmm. on their, their, their test. So he wanted to be, you know, nice, and he's got all these students. Great martial arts, and it's, it's horrible that his ability is going to die mm -hmm. and be unable to be passed on because he can't teach. Mm. I know you had a thought there. Uh, a couple of them. Um, I absolutely agree that it was the neutral buoyancy. I, I grew up in the in Arizona Power Exchange 15 years ago where what Master Bob taught me and taught me and taught me and I never got it. Mm -hmm. I saw him at Fusion this year, went to his class, I still didn't get it. This morning on the front porch. Mm -hmm. Got and it. it. And it worked with I you, but it. it might not have worked with someone else. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you Absolutely. have to have a lot of tools in your toolbox. If you need to teach somebody something, you can't just teach them the way you learn. Yep. Mm -hmm. You have to, if you really want to be an effective <laughs> teacher, you have to learn the way to teach 10 different people from 10 different walks of life, or you'll never be able to, you'll only be able to teach somebody who thinks exactly like you. Well, the idea is we've got all of these references. We have a great elder community mm -hmm. that has the knowledge to teach us. So people that are new to it have to just search around and, and find those. And if they don't get it from the first person, it, it's not, don't give up. Because there will be a second person, there will be a third person. And what I love there, though, that you just said, and I think it needs to become more true personally, is the notion of an elder community, mm -hmm. which requires that if somebody comes to you, Doug, and says, like, that's not a good fit for me for single-tailing, and you having the capacity to turn to the next person and say, well, have you tried out this other educator? Correct. Mm -hmm. Have you turned to this other resource? Mm -hmm. Instead of what I find in both the Pagan community and in the SM community, where there seems to be this hubris. Well, if you can't learn from me, you can't learn. Yeah, right. Yeah, or, right. The other, or the other way, the student latching onto, which happens in virtually everything in martial arts, sure. yes. where this person is a god, they can do no wrong, they can beat up everybody, they can do, you know, whatever the heck. And as an instructor or an elder, you have to be able to recognize that and say, calm down, this right. isn't it. Let me point you in the directions you need to go. There's a lot of people out there that are better than me and everything else. And there's a lot of people who mistake dominance or master with master of everything of the universe. So, yeah. On that note, what I'd like to have us go around and do is uh, one last thought. If you could share something from this weekend at Circles of Kink that either struck you or that you had an aha moment of from this weekend, what would you share with folks? My aha moment was how easy it is to combine the two things I'm very passionate about. And it just takes that little bit of intention to say that I can easily combine my kink with my magic and have one, even if the scene ends, that magic is going to continue. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Yay. Uh, it was the, the combination of symbolism and uh, working kink and the symbolism of uh, magic together. The, the story you told about binding the, the the Fenris, mm. and how that can really translate into other activities, like suspensions over mirrors with rooms. <laughs> <laughs> Next! <laughs> Fishing. Um, well, for me, because I, I birthed this event um, with, with Scott on the back porch, um, and having it come to fruition, um, is that intent is everything. And um, when you have vision and you believe, 
Um, if you build it, they will come. Um, will I do it again? I'm not sure. I've sort of been thinking about that today, you know. Um, but the fact that everyone has walked away with something else, um, to me, is like the greatest gift that they could give me. You know, I'll go through the challenges of doing it again if, if that's what the community wants. But it was that's probably the most satisfying thing, really, for me. So, yeah, yeah it's awesome. As befits me and my more practical nature, I think that uh, one of the things that I did notice more than anything else was that when I go to a lot of other events, especially ones that are more focused towards an hour class here and an hour class there and very, uh, very different in the different classes that are available. When you do the play at the end of the night and you see the big group play, there's still a, a small percentage of people actually play and most of the other people converse or watch or, you know, chill out and just kind of visit. And everyone, I think without exception, in this uh, event at the end played. Mm. Um, and, and I think They played differently. They played differently, certainly, as befits them. Nobody, there was not a big copycat thing. But, no. But everyone played, which is, at the events in our area, right. it's very unusual. Usually there's a yeah. 10 to 20% group that plays, and yeah. everybody else watches or plays. Even people that have never seen in public. I know. Uh, several groups um, did. So uh, I think that the, the track, like if you go through and everything's kind of connected to, you know, you're going to go do a rope track, or mm. rope 101, 201, 301, and whip. 101, 201, 301, that has a better function to get everybody together because not only are they, they learn basics, it helps everyone and it, it puts them all together. So I, I, I do like that. And I think it helps to bring them together and, and recognize them. Beautiful. And last one. Well, um, at the beginning of the, the, the opening ritual, we were asked to create an intention. And my intention for the weekend had been um, to keep an empty cup, uh, to be an empty cup and a bright flame. And I think what, uh, what I'll remember most is that as someone who was busy, busy, busy in service top mode, or service, uh, yeah, service top service submissive, uh, yeah, quick, uh, I need something. Butler sort of <laughs> mode, right? <laughs> Making Good event mode. coordinator. Yeah. Um, something that I'll remember is the moments when I realized myself not following my intention mm. and the moments when people brought me back to my intention by something that they would say That's or the cool. moments when I had to remind myself empty cup, bright flame. Mm. Empty cup, bright, bright flame. flame. And when I was enacting that intention, uh, how much happier I was throughout the experience. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm. And for folks who are interested in learning about what went down at Circles of Kink, the website is circlesofkink.com. And then uh, on FetLife, there's a Circles of Kink uh, group. If you want to join, there's gonna I'm gonna do some posting in the next couple of days, mm -hmm. and um, we'll just see where next year brings us. Yeah, I'm very absolutely. grateful. And thank you all five of you for joining me today thank you. for this yeah. interview thank and you sharing your thoughts and your ideas and hopefully giving people some uh, some food for thought, right? Get yes. people thinking, as you were saying before. Mm -hmm. 
little piece for people to take home. For folks who want to keep in touch with me, my website is, is passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, and A-N-D, soul, S-O-U-L, dot com, passionandsoul.com. Or you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet by typing in Lee Harrington or passionandsoul.com. And if you find somebody who writes about dog walking books, it's the wrong Lee Harrington. <laughs> Please go looking for the one who writes about rope bondage, spirituality, sexuality, etc. Though the other Lee Harrington is a delightful human being. And uh, thank you again. You've joined us here at Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. Until then, next time I hear from you, stay cool, have fun, and do anything that I wouldn't do. do don't do anything I wouldn't Well, actually, do anything that I wouldn't do, too, for that matter. <laughs> really, to be honest, Just do, do it. Do it. Yeah! Hail <laughs> bliss. Follow Hail your bliss. Hail bliss. <laughs> Hail bliss. And until next time, take care. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs>